Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. We've spent the last several weeks in this series called Life, a Hero Story, which is about how our lives, our stories, are the stories of a hero. We've talked about how the hero in this story is Jesus and that we are the ones needing rescue. So we've been rescued, but now what? What does the rescued life look like? Following Jesus isn't just about believing in God and waiting for heaven. It's not about just doing life for God. It's about doing life with God right now. The discipline of a daily quiet time with God is extremely hard, but well worth it. Let's listen in to our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison, as he speaks about our life with God alone. Father, we believe that you're here in this room with us. In fact, if you weren't, this would be a complete waste of our time. But if you are here, then not to be here would be incredibly foolish. But if you are here, Lord, we just pray that we will be receptive to your presence, that we will sense your presence, and that as you nudge us, whether it's a nudge of encouragement, a nudge of scolding, a nudge of challenge, that as you nudge us, that we will be responsive. We want to do life with you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, this morning, guys, I'm going to talk specifically to two different kinds of people. And I think that just about everybody in this room is going to be one of these two kinds of people. It's going to include everybody in the room who is not a Jesus follower yet, and it's going to include most of us in the room who are Jesus followers right now. There are two kinds of people I want to speak to. Type one is this, atheists and practical atheists. Atheists are those who don't believe in God yet, right? And practical atheists are those who say they believe in God, but who actually live like they don't. Believing in God doesn't make a difference in their life which I think describes a whole boatload of us who call ourselves Jesus followers. We say we believe in God, but we pretty much ignore him. Once we leave this place and ignore him until next Sunday, right, it's certainly not a 24-7 deal for us. See, I think the relationship between most Jesus followers and God is kind of like a bad marriage. Now, if you've been in a bad marriage, you know what I'm talking about. If You haven't been in a bad marriage, maybe you've seen one, or maybe you can imagine what one would look like. Basically, two people live together, but they don't do life together, right? You can go days without talking, and maybe if you say something to each other, it's courteous, but it really isn't intimate. Two people in the same house, not having the same dreams, separate dreams, clashing dreams, oftentimes separate goals, separate values. He calls her his wife, she calls him her husband, and in reality, those are just words, right? Isn't that how a lot of Jesus followers do life with God? Bad marriage, no real communication. If it is, it's courteous, but not intimate. No shared dreams, no shared goals, no shared values. Is that a real relationship? And then there are us type twos, because I'm one of these type twos. We are people who believe in God sometimes fiercely, but we're not always very comfortable spending time with him. We avoid it. Sometimes we bust our tails for God way harder than trying to be with our God. I'm very comfortable working for God. 
In fact, I'm quite passionate about working for God, who I fiercely believe in. But to be perfectly honest, I don't work very hard usually at being with him. Most of the time, my relationship with God is too distant. Now, bottom line, both of us types don't get it. Because neither one of these is what we were made for. It's not satisfying for God. It's not satisfying for us. Now, this is weird, so you've got to listen carefully. God doesn't just want you to believe in him. He wants to do life with you. And I'm not just talking about heaven. He wants to do life with you right now. Now, I know it starts with believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he paid for your sins on that cross, that he rose from the dead, and that gives you a path to heaven. That's cool. But our almighty God wants more than that. He wants to do life with us right now. You see, this worship service isn't about trying to get you to believe some rules, follow some rules, or else you'll burn. God, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, wants a relationship with you, which is weird. It sounds absurd. But a healthy relationship with anyone requires spending time with and doing things with that person, right? Like I said, I'm very comfortable believing in God. I'm very comfortable working for God, way more comfortable than being with my God, doing life with God every day. But the very best days I've ever spent in my life are not those days when I've done something cool for God, but there are those days when I've actually felt his presence and felt his touch. You ever felt that? <laughs> Listen, guys, God doesn't need me. He doesn't need my mind. He doesn't need my words. He doesn't need my energy. He doesn't need me for anything I can do for him any more than you need anything your three-year-old grandchild can do for you. But for some crazy reason, God flat out enjoys working through me and spending time with me, which I can't figure out. I don't even like spending time with myself sometimes. But there have been moments, not too often, but there have been moments in my life when his presence has absolutely blown me away, the richest moments of my life. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, this is a no-brainer. But even if you're not, you might not push back on this next piece. You see, here it is. We believe that Jesus was the most spiritual man ever. Would you buy that? The most spiritual man ever. And even though Jesus lived a perfect spiritual life, he absolutely craved times with God. One of the smarter philosopher, he was a paleontologist, geologist, theologian of the last century, a guy named Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, he said it like this. He said, we are not, you are not a human being having a spiritual experience in here this morning. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. Do you believe that? You're not just an animal. Of all of the creatures of this earth, you are the only ones God created with the capacity for a spiritual relationship with our creator. It's part of what it means to have been created in God's image. Well, the most spiritual man ever craved time with God. And if he needed time with God, I certainly do. And you do too. 
I just want to race through the Gospel of Luke for a few minutes. I just want to settle down on those places where Jesus looked to spend a quiet time with God. Right at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus went to a guy named John the Baptist to get baptized. Remember that scene? Why Jesus wanted to be baptized, I don't know. If there's anybody ever who didn't need baptism, it was Jesus. And he does it anyway. Maybe he did it as an example for us. That's cool. Maybe he did it just to identify with us, with our sins. That's cool. But for whatever reason, Luke says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized, and he was praying. At his baptism, Jesus was praying, and that's when the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form and rested on him. That praying is important, because I'm telling you guys, if God is not in that water with you, then you're just getting wet, right? He's praying, and that's when the heavens opened. Jesus didn't need to pray as God. As a man, he did, just like you do and I do. Very next chapter, Jesus is healing all these people. He's casting out demons. And Luke says early the next morning, Jesus went to an isolated place. Doesn't tell us why yet. He went to an isolated place. The crowd searched every for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. You've got to go down to the Gospel of Mark where he tells exactly the same story to tell us why he was looking for that isolated place. He wasn't going looking for a place to take an early morning run. He wasn't looking for a place to have some quiet time so he could check his Facebook and his texts, right? Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. The most spiritual man ever needed a quiet place to pray. And if Jesus needed it, I do too. So do you. Very next chapter, Luke puts it like this. He says, Jesus often, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness for prayer. It was a common place for him. It was his normal. And I think God means to be our normal. As creatures created in the image of God, created to do life with God. Next chapter, Jesus is doing it again. Of course he's doing it again. It's his normal, right? This time the Jewish leaders are after him. They're plotting to take him down. And Jesus isn't trying to run from them. He's actually going to get right back into the fight. But Luke says, one day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. All night. This is not one of those ten words or less prayers that I'm pretty good at. world's getting hostile. You ever felt the world getting hostile towards you? He's got some really important work to do. He's about to choose his 12 disciples. Have you ever felt like you've got some really important things to do? You've been in tough spots. You have felt the pressure of things that you're going to have to do. What you may not have recognized that it was at that moment you needed to spend some time with your God. By chapter 9, Luke's story of Jesus is starting to turn. He's starting to head for the cross. But right after, before he heads towards Jerusalem... He takes his disciples along for one of his quiet times with God. They watch. He says, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone, but his disciples were with him. He wanted them to watch. He wanted them to learn. He wants you to watch. He wants you to learn. And it was at this scene is when he started asking them, who do people think that I am and who do you think I am? In that quiet time with God, he's asking them, who do you really think I am? And I think in our quiet times with God, he's going to ask us exactly that same question. Who do you think he is? Two chapters later, Luke says, one time Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, teach us. Teach us to pray. 
And according to the Gospel of Luke, that's when Jesus taught us to pray. He said, do it like this. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. You know that prayer? Jesus taught it to disciples. Disciples taught it to their disciples. And they have continued teaching it down to us. We still pray that prayer. And then the night Jesus was arrested, he goes out to a garden, prays one of those amazing prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, I want my will to be done. I want your will to be done. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Not my will, but your will be done, God. If you haven't, you need to. Next day on the cross, Jesus prays two prayers in the Gospel of Luke. He prays this one, Father, forgive them because they're clueless. They have no idea what they're doing. And then he prays this, and this is huge. Into your hands, God, I entrust my spirit. You know why this is so important? Because we are spiritual beings having a human experience. These bodies are temporary. Our spirits are not. We weren't created just to believe in God. It's not enough. It won't satisfy. It won't lead you to a life well-lived. We were created to do a life with God. Not just in heaven, right now. Not just a life for God, but a life with God, which means we have to give attention to the spiritual side of who we are, not just the physical. And I'm telling you guys, if we paid half the time, half the attention to our spirits as we do to our bodies, our life with God would dazzle us and them. That's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really, really hard. Now, listen. Be honest. First service, everybody lied, okay? How many of you guys have ever tried to be on a diet? All right. First service, I had about three people admit it. You're liars, right? How many of you guys have ever quit a diet? Yeah, me too. In fact, I go on two or three diets every year. I started what I considered the wussiest diet I could ever think of on January 1st, right? I quit after two months. It was the wussiest diet ever, and I quit. How many of you guys have ever started an exercise program? Come on, get your hands up. You're lying, okay? A lot of us. How many of you guys have ever quit an exercise program, right? Maybe you bought a membership at the gym, or maybe you bought that piece of, of equipment on TV that was going to give you that beach body that everybody wants, right? But we quit. It takes discipline. More discipline than most of us can sustain. Here's the deal, guys. Spiritual fitness is harder. It's harder than physical fitness. It's going to take discipline, and it's going to take more how many of you guys have ever started a Bible reading program or tried to spend some time in quiet time with God every day? And how many of you guys have ever quit that? Yeah, me too. Because not only does it take discipline, but we have a spiritual force, spiritual forces arrayed against us who do not want us to get close to our God. Whatever forces there are that cause you to quit a diet or quit the gym, the spiritual forces who do not want you to spend time with God are way more powerful now, here's why it's hard. God is usually very gentle and very quiet. God's not going to force himself on you yet. There's going to be a day. But God wants us to choose him. God wants us to choose to spend time with him. He wants us to choose to do life with him. So usually God just whispers, which is all we can handle. 
without being blown away by our God. But because he whispers, we can drown him out really easy. Noise, busyness. Our world is so noisy and busy, our life is so noisy and busy, that usually it is very, very difficult to hear God, which is why God says, shh, shut up for a bit, be quiet, be still, hush, and know, know that I am your God, right? Hush now, stop talking, stop texting, stop tweeting, stop surfing, stop playing, and know he is your God. We're so noisy, we're so busy. I mean, who wants to be still just to know he's God, right? Which is why we live such stupid lives. One of the great Christian teachers, a guy named Henry Nouwen, he tells us that the word for absurd comes from the Latin surdus, which literally means deaf. A life that is deaf to God, he says, deaf to God is an absurd life, which is the kind of life that most of us live. We're made to do life with God. Of all of the creatures on this earth, we were made to do life with God. So to be deaf to him is literally absurd. He also says the word obedience comes from the word adire in the Latin, which literally means to listen. And then he connects the two. Your life doesn't have to be absurd. You don't have to do life deaf to God. He created you to listen to him, to do life with him, to live an obedient life. That's not oppressive. That's when life comes alive. That's when it gets rich. But here's another reason it's hard, guys. Listening to God requires some quiet. It requires some solitude, and some of you guys hate solitude. Listening to God requires some quiet, and some of you guys can't stand it too quiet, right? Listening to God requires that sometimes you stop talking, and some of you guys don't want to stop talking, even to God. And here's the worst of it, horror of horrors. Listening to God sometimes requires shutting off your phone, quitting working on your to-do list, turning off the TV or your computer so you can actually give God your undivided attention, which is weird, isn't it? I mean, to be quiet, isn't that just a waste of time? Stopping doing and just listening? Ever heard of Antonin Scalia? He was one of our Judges on our Supreme Court died a couple of years ago, one of the smartest and most powerful men in our country. One time he invited one of his clerks to church. And his clerk said to him, I'm too busy to go to church. Scalia told him this, well, I'll tell the creator of the universe that you're too busy to see him. You've had that conversation. Right. Maybe the first thing we need to do is beg God's forgiveness and ask him to help us put our priorities straight. Now, here's why it's hard. Here's why it's going to be really hard to get quiet with God. Some of you guys are probably going to push back because it is so hard. You see, getting still in God's presence is both hard and painful. It's painful. We're used to the noise, aren't we? 
We use the noise to drown stuff out around us. We're comforted by the noise. We're comforted by the busyness. I've got important things to do. I can't stop and waste time for God. So when you try to get quiet with God, all of these things flood in to distract you. You'll start thinking about your to-do list for today, all the things you need to be doing right now. You'll start noticing all these little distractions. It is a little hot, isn't it? It's a little cold. It's a little stuffy. You get distracted by some noise. You'll get distracted by some smell. You'll drift and you'll daydream. daydream. One of the early Christian writers put it like this. He says, the first stage of getting quiet with God is kind of like shutting a door for the first time. And all of those people and all of those things that are used to just barging in on you, chattering, they start pounding on that door, trying to get your attention, wondering why they're not allowed in. And they only hush when they understand that they're not welcome to interrupt your time with God. So Jesus says, when you pray, he says, when you pray, when you pray, Go away by yourself and shut the door behind you. Shh. And then your father, who sees everything, even that is in secret, is going to reward you. Literally, shut the door, silence the phone, turn the computer off, the TV off, and that's hard. And then if you can shut out the outer noises, noises and the outer busyness, it's going to get harder. Because we use that outer noise and that busyness to hide all kinds of things that are inside of us. Our anxieties, fears, bad memories, fights, anger, unholy desires, our shame and our guilt. We drown all of that stuff out with the busyness and the noise, don't we? But in the quiet, they start welling up inside. But only when they well up inside can God heal them. Only when you confront him in the presence of your God can God heal him. So if you really want to get quiet with God, you've got to shut out the outer noise, and then you're going to have to confront the inner noise. And what's going to make it hard is that you've got an enemy. Satan is going to do whatever he can to disrupt your time with God. He's going to do that. He's going to use the busyness. He's going to use the noise. He's going to use the inner stuff, the shame and the guilt and the anxiety and the fear to keep you from getting close to your God. He's going to do whatever he can to keep you and God apart. So, guys, don't let him win. On your own, he's going to win. You're not strong enough. But if you're trying to pursue God, God is way stronger. And he can give you the ability to succeed in this thing. You keep feeding that side of you. So I'm going to try to get real practical, okay? Give you a way to get this done. How are you going to get it done? Maybe the most important habit you could ever learn in your life is to learn to spend some time in God's presence every single day. And there may be some of you guys in this room who already do that. You already spend some time with God every single day. That is so cool. If that is your case, then you have the right to take the next five minutes and just doze. Okay? You don't have to hear anything I say next. But for the rest of us, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to a 30-day, verse-of-the-day challenge. I want you to try this for 30 days and see if it doesn't make your life better. 30 days will just be about Thanksgiving next month. I want to challenge you to spend two minutes a day, two minutes a day in the presence of your God based on the version, verse of the day. 
I'm going to take a second here, and I brought up my phone, and I'm going to hook it up. I'm going to show you a little bit about this version thing. We recommend it from time to time. It's really cool. If you've got a smartphone, you can download it from your app store, and it's really, really cool. Let's see if this thing comes on. There it goes. There you are. That's my phone. Those are my grandkids. Aren't they cute? Okay. Now, that's a few years ago. Right now, they're a whole lot uglier. But right now, they, they were really, really cute back then. But if you go to my second page on my phone, there's a little section up on the right, left-hand side that says books. You go to books in the th- upper left-hand corner, you see the Holy Bible. That's the version app. Right there is the version app. If I press on that, it comes up to the version right here. Okay? Now, there's all kinds of things you can do here. If I press on that bottom, you, can, you can't really read it, but the second one says read your Bible, and you can read anywhere in the Bible that you want, and you can do it in about 60 different English translations. And if English is not your first language, whatever language is your first language, they've got it. They've got about 1,000 different languages on this thing, and it's free. It's really, really amazing. Okay? You can read it in whatever translation that you want. If you want, you can go over to here to plans, and you can have a Bible reading plan based on whatever kind of thing you need. Maybe you're new to the faith and you just want to work through the Bible or you want marriage issues or work, leadership, prayer, worship, all different kinds of things that you can find. You can press a search up here and find a plan that's related to what you want to study. You can press search. You can actually, on the top of that page is the search thing. You can search anything in the Bible and it'll give you uh, uh, where you can find stuff about that in the Bible. I just took one of their, their uh, let's just take love right there. Some of the verses in the Bible on love, I can press more, and there's just verse after verse that just talks about what it means to love as a Jesus follower, which is really cool. Over here, there's some neat stuff. I just pressed the last one. You can even go find some videos. Videos, Jesus, you can, one's about the Bible story, um, reading the Bible to you, things about the Bible, things about Christianity. It's really pretty cool. But what I really would like you to do for this challenge, if you press the home button, you get to the verse of the day. That's the verse of the day. Every day, they have a different verse of the day. That's why the verse of the day, right? It's pretty cool. There's three little dots up there. If you press on that, you can actually, under your notifications, you can have it send you that verse of the day every single day. It comes to you. You don't have to remember. Verse of the day is going to come to your smartphone. My, My guess is every one of you checks your phone every day, probably at least once, right? Verse of the day will be there for you. If you go to that kind of thing, you can press on this. I can read this verse of the day in several different versions, okay? You can select which versions you want to read it in. If you go to that verse of the day, I can go ahead and read it in its context so I can see what's around it. It's pretty cool. Now, here's the challenge. Here's what I would like you to do. I'd like you to go to that verse of the day and spend two days or two minutes of the day, one minute reading it, and the next minute praying about it. That's all. One minute reading the verse of the day, and one minute praying about it. Two minutes a day devoted exclusively to God. I'm going to warn you guys, there are some of these verses that are not going to jump off the page for you. That's okay. The key is not that every verse jumps off the page, the key is this, you're spending time with your God. You're trying to listen to him, and you're talking to him. You're spending time with your God that is huge. Now, I know, guys, that there's way more that you can do. 
to have a daily life with God. I'm just talking about a life with God that's more than one or two hours a week on a Sunday. I'm talking about bringing him into your life every single day. That's the goal, isn't it? To do life with God, it'll make your life better. I know some of the people in this room spend a lot of time listening to Christian music. That's cool. It's not one of the ways I connect with God, but it's a way a lot of people do it. Brings them into your life every single day. That's cool. For me, believe it or not, what reminds me of the presence of God every day is the first thing in the morning and the last thing in the day. We have these sunrise and sunsets at our place because we sit up really high and I see the whole sky. And I see all of the sunrise and I see all of the sunset. And for me, that's more of a, holy cow, that's gorgeous. For me, that's a, wow, God, you're really cool. You're really good. And it reminds me of his presence and his power. James Driver, he's got kind of a weird way of doing it. James Driver, he's our growth minister. He was up here a few minutes earlier. He tries to take God into his day every time he goes into Kroger. Now, I know that's weird, okay? But he actually prays, God, give me the opportunity in these next few minutes in Kroger to touch somebody with your grace. Give me the opportunity to see somebody through your eyes and touch them with your grace. And he's actually got stories, and some of them are pretty cool, about God using him in Kroger. I think that's neat. Randy, my preaching partner, he's got a stop sign on his way to the church and his way home. And when he gets to that stop sign, he says, okay, God, i got to turn my focus to you now. And then when he goes the other direction, he says, okay, God, i got to put my focus on my wife and my family now. Right? Pretty cool. Some Jesus followers journal they journal their prayers, and when they sense God's answers, they put them in that journal and whatever else is on their minds in their life with God. Others go on spiritual retreats. That's an important one for me. It's hard for me to get really still. Sometimes it takes me way more than a few minutes to get still with my God. So sometimes I'll set off a half a day. Sometimes I'll have to set off two or three or four days. Try to get still and reconnect with my God. Disconnect with my world and reconnect with my God. And that's really, really important. In fact, this coming Saturday, this coming Saturday, James Driver, our growth minister, is going to have a spiritual retreat to teach you how to do these kinds of things right here at Capital City. Some of you guys need to sign up for that spiritual retreat Saturday morning. It's going to be really rich. But here's the key. Whatever else you do already, I'd really encourage you to take this 30-day verse of the day challenge because Being in God's presence every day is one of the critical pieces of doing life with God, not just for God. That's what this verse of the day is all about. It's about shutting down so you can listen to God and talk to God, just focus on Him. Just read one verse, one verse, that's all. Think about it. Think about what it meant. Think about how it applies to you in your life. And then talk to God about it. Whatever you have found in that verse, talk to God about making it real in your life and see what difference it will make as you try to drag God into your life every single day. Now, it is not going to be easy because pretty much we're wussy and our enemy is not. But our God is stronger and he can help you win. If you need to get started, talk to him about it. If you struggle, it's okay. If you miss a day or two, get started again. He's very, very gracious. The deal is this, guys. Our life with God is not just about Sundays. It's about making God a part of our life every single day. Now, 
What we're going to do for the next couple of minutes is going to be kind of weird, and it's going to make some of you guys uncomfortable. Okay. We're going to try it. We're going to practice. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put up yesterday's verse of the day on screen. And I'm going to give you two minutes, and it's going to get quiet. Minute one, I put it up there in two different translations. Read the verse. Read the verse over and over again. Just think about it. Ponder it. Okay? See whether there's any part of it that speaks to you, whether God speaks to you through it. And then in the second minute, pray to God about it. Ask God to make it a part of who you are. Make it a part of your life. Two minutes. We're actually going to put a timer on the screen. Two minutes, verse of the day. Read it, think about it, pray about it. Okay? You ready? go ahead and pray. Now, do you believe that God is in the room? Do you believe that time spent with God is the most important thing you can do? Do you think in that time spent with God, He can morph you, change you, transform you, challenge you, comfort you? Now, Every week we come to church and we gather around the Lord's table. We eat that bread and drink that cup and celebrate His presence. Did you know that if you come here Sundays and eat that bread and drink that cup, but you're not spending any time with Him during the week, it's just crackers and juice. It's not the Lord's Supper that makes our life holy. It's our life with God that makes this table rich. It's loving him outside this table that makes this table rich and meaningful for us.
as people of God, as people who want to do life with God, we are invited to this table with family every single week to remember the incredible thing that he did to make this invitation possible. Went to a cross, body was broken. It was our body that should have been broken. He was taking our sins upon him. His blood was shed for our sins. It would have been a terrible death had it not been for three days later when he rose out of his tomb. Proving to us that he is stronger than the death that we face. And the gift of life that he won that day will be ours too if we join him. And so as people of God, as people who want to do life with God, you're invited to this table. Celebrate his grace. You're welcome.